What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Thursday, March 4th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where we have used WandaVision as the inspiration for our show's new nickname, Akila Gideon. Yeah, we're just like the MCU. We fight crime, but mostly it's over Zoom, so. <laughs> we're still effective, though. On today's show, a conversation with journalist Jamiles Lardy about Derek Chauvin and his upcoming trial over the killing of George Floyd. Then some headlines. Right. So next week in Minnesota, jury selection will begin in the Derek Chauvin trial. He's the former Minneapolis police officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck and killed him last summer. And after jury selection, the trial itself is expected to begin at the end of the month. Chauvin is currently facing charges of second-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. And Keith Ellison, the state attorney general, is working to reinstate a charge of third-degree murder as well. It's a big case, obviously, and it's definitely going to get a lot of media attention in the coming days. Already there are reports of security preparations being taken around the courthouse, including barbed wire. It is intense. Right. And so we wanted to take some time today to dive a little bit deeper. Last month, the Marshall Project reporters Jamiles Lardy and Abby Van Sickle published a report detailing prior instances where Chauvin used excessive force, very similar excessive force in restraining people and got their firsthand account of those encounters. We spoke with Jamiles about this reporting, how it could play into the trial and what the results will or won't mean for the American police system. Here's our conversation. Jamiles, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. So let's talk about Derek Chauvin. All right. So he was a Minneapolis police officer for almost 20 years. First off, what exactly do we know about his record as an officer and his past incidents of violence? Well, what we know is that Derek Chauvin was the subject of at least 22 complaints over uh, his career as a Minneapolis police department. Um, And we know only one of those incidents resulted in any discipline of any kind. Um, What we also know through our reporting um, is that a a number of folks who encountered uh, Derek Chauvin uh, as a police officer uh, were taken down or arrested in sort of startlingly similar ways to the way that George Floyd uh, was arrested, which and and by that I mean uh, either uh, grabbed by the neck um, or held down with force and pressure applied to the neck or the top of the the back while prone on the ground. Wow, that's horrible. Um, Jeez. And you spoke to some of the people that Chauvin had violently arrested. You know, I've read some of those articles. They're really, really excellent. Um, But can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, those individuals and what they had to say about their encounters with him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd I'd start with um, the woman who... um, what was the first person we we mentioned in our, our article, Zoya Code. Uh, she was arrested by Derek Chauvin after a domestic incident in her in her home. 
and um, you know, she just, uh, it was very emotional for her to talk about it. Um, she, she just described it as, you know, this man, you know, Zoya's maybe about a hundred, 110 pounds soaking wet, um, how they, you know, mm. arrested her in her own home, handcuffed her, um, how she wasn't fighting back or resisting in any way. They, they, they carried her out of her home while handcuffed, placed her on the ground. Um, that's actually one of the things that, that came up in our, our reporting in the police report, they they'd said that they placed her on the grass. Um, Zoya told us that she remembered very distinctly being placed on the concrete and how, you know, how hard and how um, uncomfortable it was to be under uh, Chauvin's knee um, with her, her upper body all, all pressed into the concrete. And um, the attorney general in their report um, or in a report um, that detailed this arrest were able to get a, a hold of the... Um, body camera footage. And it showed that, in fact, uh, Zoya had been placed primarily on the concrete. Um, but yeah, to, to go back to her account, you know, she just remembers not resisting, um, but but just thinking, you know, they're going to kill me. Um, Zoya knew Philando Castile, mm. uh, not really well, but, but she knew him. She'd um, known him from growing up in, in Minneapolis. And this was about a year after he had been killed um, in a Minneapolis suburb by a St. Anthony police officer. And she remembered, and, and you know, it really stuck with me, calling out, you know, don't kill me, don't kill me like you killed Cuz. Jeez. So in all of these incidents, you know, what really stood out to you in these stories and in these interviews, you know, with these people who are speaking now for the first time about their experiences? You know, not just the consistency, but the fact that it's all with the same person. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm just curious when you're hearing this, because, you know, you're reporting on it, how do you sort of, you know, feel about that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's always uh, empathy, right? And, and um, um, being thankful that people are willing to sh- to revisit these painful memories and traumatic memories um, and do so in the service of uh, the general public, you know, understanding what, what happened. Um, so I think that's the first thing that comes up for me, for me personally. Um, I think the, one of the other things that stood out is, you know, all of the people who we spoke to for this story um, had a number of interactions with police and, and law enforcement in their lives before. Yeah. Um, and yet they all sort of singled Derek Chauvin out as being uniquely gruff or abrasive or uncaring about their pain or discomfort. Yeah. Uh, right. So, you know, like there's a, um, I think some people have an intuition that, Oh, you know, anyone who gets arrested is going to feel like the cop treated them badly because no one wants to get arrested. That may be true to, to some degree. Right. Um, but you know, I talked to some use of force experts while reporting the story and I, I kind of mentioned that point and, um, one of the folks I talked to, I remember him saying, you know, no, actually, you know, most people who are justice involved um, uh, kind of care about procedure and they care about, you know, OK, fine. You know, I was I was doing something wrong. You caught me. You arrested me. Uh, it is what it is. But treat me like a human being. Right. Right. Treat me like my life matters. Um, and, and so that that is also one of the things that that stood out to me. You know, this this felt like it was a bridge too far for all the all the people who we we, we spoke to. 
Yeah, right. it's not bitterness. It's you know just an accurate description of how people are are feeling. They're being right, treated. right. Ex- mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. Right. Yeah. And so at this point, prosecutors want to use these cases at Chauvin's trial and other examples where he didn't actually use excessive force. What are prosecutors saying so far and how important is this to their overall case? Yeah, I I can't speak on how important it is to their case. I can say that um, a number of these uh, of these individuals are on the witness list. um, So there is a potential that they will be called. Um, what I can also say is that the, the judge, the federal judge in this case, um, Judge Cahill has rejected the majority of the cases, um, that prosecutors had raised. Um, they're basically, they're allowing two cases to be entered into evidence, um, in this matter. And, and they've, uh, they've rejected the majority of them mm. or the judge has rejected the majority of them. And so, um, I, you know, I think that's one of the, one of the reasons why this story also felt, um, if you, you could say gratifying to publish is that, um, the jury in this case is not, is unlikely to hear, um, many of the stories that we told, um, you know, but the, the public will be able to hear what, what these, what folks had to have to say about it. Right. Yeah. And then on on the other side, Chauvin's lawyers don't want the cases introduced. Uh, the court is limiting the number of cases, like you said, um, how standard is that? And what, if anything, does that say about the defense that we think they're going to mount? Yeah, that's, you know, that is kind of standard defense attorney practice, right? Is to, you will more or less come up with motions to try to get every piece of evidence that's that, that prosecutors try to enter, um, thrown out for one reason or another. So I wouldn't read too far into it. Um, I, I think I would just say that, uh, you know, the, the defense's explanation for why all of those cases should be thrown out um, or not included, I think, do probably offer some kind of preview of what we will hear in the overall defense, which is basically um, that as an officer, Derek Chauvin in, in, in particular, but officers in general um, need to gain compliance of, of uncompliant people. And he did so according to his training. Right. That's what you see in all of the responses to why those cases should not have been included. And I think that is the the bottom line defense that we will hear um, in, in this case. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point. I mean, all eyes are definitely about to turn to Minneapolis again with the trial coming up. You know, it, it could be something similar to like what we saw with George Zimmerman or the police officer who shot and killed Philando Castile, you know. So is there anything you're sort of bracing yourself for or thinking about coverage wise as the trial is getting underway? There's going to be a lot of attention on Minneapolis, attention on protests, demonstration, the bracing for a decision or a non-decision. Uh, I, 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 I think we've all become kind of well accustomed to that, that rhythm of, um, you know, there's a trial and then there's a, a moment where we wait and then we get a decision. And, uh, you know, so I, I, mean, I think this is going to be like similar trials in the past, but, but probably kind of supercharged in a way because um, this case, again, has galvanized attention um, in a way that no, no prior case really, really ever had. Yeah. And and to that point, sort of the idea of this possibly standing for something bigger in the country and around the world, what if any kind of precedent would be set in the state or around the country by 
the result in this trial in either direction? The simple answer is none. A single police officer being convicted of a police killing doesn't really set like it's it's happened before it happened in the walter scott case the officer michael slager Mm -hmm. was convicted by a a, a, or well he accepted a plea deal um Mm -hmm. in in with on federal charges it didn't change the landscape Mm -hmm. um it's happened before in other cases it didn't change the landscape like the overwhelming fact remains that the system as it's currently designed is not designed to hold police criminally accountable for killing people while on duty. Yeah. So the solution, you know, can't just come from this case. It's, it's more of a systemic issue. No. And I, and I think that's, you know, something that I, I always try to mention in these conversations, right? These individual cases become flashpoints for understandable reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just human nature. That's how we kind of understand the world around us is through anecdotes. Obviously, you know, the whole industry of journalism is basically built around largely about telling stories through anecdote. Uh, But, you know, policing is not the story of what one person does to another person, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not, if, if we think of policing in those terms, then we're missing the forest for the trees in a lot of ways. But the, the broader question of policing is what, as, what have we as a society tasked police officers with doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the range of possibilities from really bad to really good within, within that, that set of tasks? And, yeah. and that's more or less what we're looking at when we look at the landscape in, of American policing. Um, well, you've given us a ton to, to think about, and this has been a really great conversation. Really appreciate it. Uh, Jamal, thank yeah. you so much for being on our show today. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right. That was Jamal Lardy from The Marshall Project. We put a link to his story in our show notes. And that's the latest. Thursday Wad Squad, and for today's Temp Check, we've got some sad movie news. Alamo Drafthouse announced it was filing for bankruptcy protection yesterday following a pandemic-driven downturn in business. The company's founder said that restructuring will help Alamo stay afloat and predicted that it'd be doing great business again by the end of the year, but they will have to close three locations. Alamo is known for its expansive food and drink menu and special screening, so Giddy, what are your thoughts on Alamo and on this story? The story makes me sad because I love Alamo. Alamo is a very fun place to go for flicks. I like, I mean, obviously the food stuff is great. You know, being able to like order in the dark during a movie is awesome and have somebody bring you food. I I think it's great. But like all of the other stuff that's sort of like built around the various movies that you see and like how there are those special intros of various celebrities Mm -hmm. saying like, turn off your phone or like, we will (laughs) kill you. (laughs) Like things like that. (laughs) Make the whole experience super, super fun. Um, I used to go like, almost every weekend for a stretch of time, especially when it was cold. Um, so this is a this is a bummer, but it sounds like, you know, hopefully they will be okay by the end of the year. And that is great because I will give them a million dollars to see <laughs> any movie at this point. I mean, you could give me a million dollars and I'll just make a movie theater. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like, I have a backyard. I'll figure something out for you. Please give me that money. That's that's an option as well. As soon as I find this, um, we, can, we can talk business. We can... Have my people talk to your people. Suddenly um, there's no money for it. <laughs> yes, of, of course. Oh, misplaced. Yeah. This million dollars that I have right in front of me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so how do you feel about all of this? It's definitely a bummer, but it seems like it's par for the course for the pandemic, you know? Like, I mm. can't say that they won't come back, and I hope that they do. I really love Alamo Drafthouse. I was a member. I uh, I would often go as well. I see, I've seen, like, a lot of... Um, not really, I mean, some of them were premieres, like real premieres, but they also just had like fun special screenings of stuff like you were mm -hmm. mentioning, like, you know, oh goodness, the squeaks. <laughs> like they have like, you know, cats, which I haven't seen, but they had that like mm, rowdy cats. screening where you can yell at the screen. They just had like a bunch of cool stuff. So as far as like a fun thing to do with friends, I just, I think that that's a bummer to not have it, but also what have I had in the past year? I've been nothing. It's true. It's true. The Cats Rowdy Screening, man, that's another one where I'm like, you know all the events that you were sort of on the fence about before the pandemic started, and you're like, I should have just gone? I should have just mm -hmm. gone to Cats Rowdy Screening. It used to be a joke around Wad about Cats. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. know at least John saw it, perhaps others saw it. Um, I should have gone, because that's, that's not going to come back. That specific event is not going to come back, and that makes me sad. I mean, you know, I have two schools of thought about that, which is one, did cats cause the pandemic? You know, it could, <laughs> have, it could have. It was sort of the last big thing before we all were like, oh, crap, we have to stay home. But also, I, not a regret I have <laughs> of all the things that I miss seeing at the Alamo Draft House, still not on the list. And just like that, we've checked our temps. Stay safe. Go see a movie in your house. Uh, hopefully soon you'll get to go to a theater and we'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash wad. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. The House passed a major Democratic reform bill yesterday that aims to fight voter suppression and corruption in Congress and more. H.R. 1, or the For the People Act, was originally passed through the House in 2019, but later died in the Republican-controlled Senate. Now Democrats are preparing for its second run with some added provisions like safer practices for voting during the pandemic and protections against foreign interference in U.S. elections. Broadening ballot access and preventing gerrymandering is essential to protect our elections and our democracy. The House also passed the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act last night, a bill that would ban police chokeholds and some no-knock warrants. Republicans who are against both bills have the numbers to block them in the Senate with a filibuster, so the remaining option for Democrats to pass this is to end the filibuster itself. Their main obstacles in that effort are moderates Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who are pathologically addicted to Senate procedure and compromise. Yeah, they're not great. Uh, also in compromise updates, President Biden agreed yesterday to narrow the income limits of people eligible to get a coronavirus relief check. Under the new proposal, payment will be cut off to individuals earning more than 80000 and couples making more than 160000 meaning that if this change is adopted, 9 million households that got a check under Trump will not be getting a check under Biden. Adult mm. dependents like college students may actually benefit from expanded eligibility, getting checks for the first time. Biden's deal was made as a concession to moderate Democrats in the Senate, thanks Again, Joe Manchin, really, really, really great. Uh, as Democratic leaders scramble to ensure that they get the 50 votes needed from their own party for the legislation to pass. The only concession I want is the one I have at the Cats Rowdy screening at Alamo. Just bringing it, <laughs> bringing it all back home here. Uh, the, the first yep. thing you learn in graphic design is don't make logos that look like Hitler. But that lesson mm-hmm. went unheeded by Amazon last month. For its new mobile app icon, the company tried to evoke a cardboard box by putting the curved Amazon arrow under a small square of blue tape. That combo could also be interpreted as the lips and nasty mustache of one of history's worst guys. So earlier this week, Amazon quietly made some tweaks to de-Hitlerize its logo. Publications that asked Amazon whether the resemblance led to the changes didn't get a straight answer. We could all be better about admitting our own mistakes. I'll just say right now that many of the meals I make come out looking like Osama bin Laden, which makes me throw them away, which is why I'm always so hungry. It makes sense. The new icon Mm -hmm. replaces the shopping cart that was Amazon's logo for five years. In the latest move towards an internet that doesn't have free access to our thoughts, dreams, and desires, Google announced yesterday it would stop using technologies that track user behavior across websites. These are the technologies that serve as ads for timeshares in Aspen after we do one search for snowboarding. They're a crucial tool for digital advertisers, and since Google is the world's biggest digital advertiser, their decision will be felt across the industry. Google will continue developing technologies that target users, but they'll be more protective of privacy, bundling users into groups with similar interests, rather than targeting them as individuals. 
individuals. For example, good luck putting me in a box. I shop like a drunk teenager with amnesia. <laughs> the new policy will go into effect next year. Until then, I will protect my privacy by continuing to never let my phone hear me talk about products or brands. I'm going to whisper crest just to myself over and over. <laughs> Smoke signals it is. And those are the headlines. One last thing before we go. The newest season of Anna Marie Cox's podcast with friends like these is all about forgiveness and reconciliation, and there's a new episode out on Friday. Anna is joined by Marie Shama to discuss how enforcing the death penalty poisons everyone who is part of it. Check it out and subscribe to With Friends Like These on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, track our browsing history, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the delicious menu at Alamo Draft House like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and avoid, avoid Hitler, Hitler and logos. logos. Literally draw anything else. How hard is it? It's a box. You could have just drawn a box. Yeah, the one thing I learned in marketing school is avoid Hitler, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not difficult. I've never drawn Hitler <laughs> accidentally or on purpose. So <laughs> what's your excuse? <laughs> Today is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Katie Long, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat French fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventures pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.